1: From Heads of Studios in Dublin, welcome to Motherfucklore, a podcast of words, Irish, Irish words, and words from Ireland. I'm Dara Crochet.
0: I'm Clodagh McGinley.
1: And you're all very welcome to today's episode. Clodagh, looking forward to any films coming out lately.
0: Oh, yeah, I heard there's a, you know, a really good spy thriller coming out, actually.
1: spy thriller? I love spy thrills. Yeah,
0: no, it's by the infamous Michael Flatley, I believe.
1: Michael Flatley? Mm Mm-hmm. Would this be Blackbird?
0: I think it could be.
1: Starring Michael Flatley. Oh, yeah. Written by Michael Flatley. Oh, yeah. Directed by Michael Flatley. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Produced by Michael Flatley. Apparently so. (laughs) And... (laughs) Yes, indeed. Um, A lot of people recently were alarmed that Michael Fadley, a man who, you know, doesn't do things by halves, it has to be said, has gone ahead and made a film that appears to be loosely based on Casablanca or something, a retired or retired spy who was running a a fancy nightclub brought back into the game to do one last job of sorts. And the tagline is, some things are worth dying for. Oh, gee.
0: To be fair, though, like, I think it's actually quite funny how he named it Blackbird because Blackbird is a traditional set dance in Irish dancing. So I'm convinced that's where it comes from, the name for it.
1: That must be. And I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing. Michael Flatley, whether you like him or not, is a fairly massive figure in in, in Irish culture and uh, perceptions of Ireland and particularly how we see ourselves and how the world sees us because of his role in Irish dancing. And in order to discuss this and other things and how where Irish dancing fits into people's lives, I decide who better than to get our, our Claude in. Our Claude is the best Irish dancer in the motherfucker team.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: And like <laughs> whoever's second is so far back. Yeah. yeah, our Claude is a champion Irish dancer. Ah, oh, no. Champion? Not champion?
0: I mean, technically, but no. Yeah, see,
1: <laughs> she's modest too. No. Oh, okay, but anyway. Cloda has been doing Irish dancing since she was a smallie, and she's going to tell us a little bit about um, the world behind the scenes and off the scenes of Irish dancing, what it, what it is, what it isn't, and because there's perceptions about it and misperceptions, but we're going to get to the bottom of it all, and we're going to go through some wonderful Irish language terminology, too, while we're at it. Yay! So, Glowda, when did you start Irish dancing?
0: I started Irish dancing when I was 11, going on 12, so I was actually old for a beginner. Okay. Most people start when they're about five or six, but I didn't start till I was eleven because there was a new Irish dancing teacher that came to my primary school and took class after school and everything else. And I thought it would be a nice thing to do, and I had a couple of friends doing it, so I thought, why not? And yeah, fell in love.
1: Absolutely, and like, so you went straight. And what was the first day like? Do you remember?
0: It was how? because <laughs> <laughs> no, really, like it was so embarrassing because I was in with like say. The, like, junior infants, senior infants who would be beginners. And then my friends, who hmm. were my age then, obviously, would have been, like, a little bit more advanced and they knew what they were doing. I didn't have a clue what anything was or anything. So I ended up having a seven-year-old teaching me my first dancing steps at the age of 11, which was grim, let me tell you. Oh. Um. But I persevered for some bizarre reason. I still don't know to this day why I kept going with it, but I really, really loved it, yeah.
1: Fantastic. And so... Like, uh, the the idea of, saying just turning up to class, uh, I presume there's a certain outlay that uh, your parents had to put down first in terms of outfits and shoes and things like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, to be fair, the classes weren't too bad in terms of those kind of standards. I mean, you have to wear, obviously, the correct shoes, like the soft shoes, which can also be mm-hmm. called gillies, pumps, light shoes. And then when you get a little bit more advanced, you wear the heavy shoes or hard shoes or travel shoes, are called as well. Mm. But, um, yeah, no, to begin with, it wasn't too bad. But then, obviously, as I progressed in competitions and I started doing competitions, that's when the whole costume thing arose and everything mm-hmm. else. And to begin with, I just wore like a polo shirt and a skirt. But then that wasn't good enough. I started to do better in competition and everything else. And you have to progress. And in order to progress, you have to kind of play the game mm-hmm. with the Irish dancing community, which means the wig and the dress. So,
1: the wig and the dress. And I'm glad you brought up the wig because you have. As curly hair as I've ever seen I have in my life. I have
0: stupidly curly hair, yeah. <laughs>
1: I'd say if they made you put wear a wig, the wig would be less curly than your hair.
0: It, yeah, genuinely was. It was kind of, <laughs> it was Shirley Temple-esque ringlets. And there were blonde ringlets too, because there's a whole kerfuffle about me getting a wig to begin with, because I didn't want one. My parents didn't really want me to wear one. Hmm. So my teacher brought me in a blonde wig that was second hand, which was gross to begin with, really? not to be fair. I could have had nets, for all we knew. <laughs> <laughs> like to this day i don't think it did i'm mm. pretty sure it didn't but i do know somebody who had knit in their wig and had to burn it so that was a bit gross but yeah and rightly so oh god yeah i mean what would we? how would you disinfect a wig <laughs> mm. yeah no it was a grim grim time but um but yeah no like the wig and the dress yeah no it's just a bit of a stupid thing some people love it and some people think that you know a dress without a wig looks stupid, and at one level, yes, it does because mm-hmm. the dresses are so extravagant and so over the top. But the wigs themselves could cost up as far as two hundred euro, and I mean, you know, you need to buy a new one every three years because the styles of wigs change. Yep. So now it's kind of like a Dolly Parton-esque wig, where you have like more of a bun, like a beehive almost, mm-hmm. instead of like the natural ringlets or like natural in inverted commas, ringlets flowing everywhere. So.
1: And. Do, does the dress actually facilitate dancing in a way that I'd say there are some people who, who talk about certain, certain sports activities have certain outfits that have evolved to actually make it more comfortable for the person to dance or to give a little bit of a swirl in certain dances but it, does the Irish dancing dress actually make Irish dancing easier?
0: It definitely doesn't make it easier but it makes it easier to hide your mistakes. So, Ooh. I know, I got the controversy. Here's, is, this is where it begins. Oh. <laughs> but basically, those sleeves on an Irish dancing dress are very, very wide. So, it hides the fact that you're not holding your arms in <gasps> rigidly and the way it should be. Like, really stiff upper body posture. Mm-hmm. So, if you start, like, drinking your arms, which is very hard not to do in fairness when your legs are going 90 and, like, everything else, it, um, it gets hidden by, see sleeves in the dress and a lot of adjudicators really hate this and they say that it takes away from it and that you know people have become world champions you know the posture is terrible you know and then the length of the skirts have gotten very very short as well and mm-hmm. there's been a lot of controversy over that in terms of age groups and appropriateness and everything else and the reason they've gotten very short is to facilitate kicking your legs and like everything else because they used mm-hmm. to be very very long and heavy and almost knee length and it was impossible to do a leap or anything so this is
1: the thing that um sometimes if it actually is Convenient to have a have a an outfit of a certain length, or like this is I know something that came up in beach volleyball that they said, well, what, the the outfit's no more explicit than uh, what a summer wears, and they're swimming. Is this your the, the problems in your head? Your purr is watching. <laughs> Stop! Oh I my know. god, no. But uh, but that's obviously that's a different issue. But I, I can imagine that. Yes, it would be for if you're doing kicks, obviously. Yes. Yeah, something like that the skirt length would be an issue
0: yeah and they get really really warm as well the actual material there's so much material in a dancing dress like and there's cardboard and iron rods Or not iron rods but there's rods in it to keep it stiff and pleated and everything else there's so much material that it gets insanely hot and people faint all the time because they're so warm from dancing and everything else and if you're nervous you're swaddling and everything it's just you know then the tan starts streaking and everything else and
1: the tan oh yeah so in addition to being made wear awake did you get get sprayed? Does your mother drag you down?
0: Surprisingly no. Oh god my mother would have dragged me away if anything but like (laughs) surprisingly no I never had to do the whole tan because I have very naturally salad skin I was very very blessed that way but people you know from Ireland are often quite pasty, quite Mm -hmm. pale nothing wrong with that whatsoever, it's gorgeous but for the Irish dancing world it's not good enough apparently and a lot of people, particularly girls have to do the whole spray tan which is ludicrous really when you think about it because when you have the dress and you have your knee-high white socks, mm-hmm. which are called poodle socks or bubble socks, funny enough. Yes. You only see maybe like five inches of a leg, you know, and then your whole upper body is covered by a dress, so you don't even see the tangerine emerging. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just, it's so pointless. And then the amount of makeup some girls wear as well is just, it's beyond belief. I mean, to be fair, you can't wear makeup until you're 13, I believe. Okay. Um, But, you know... Beyond that, it just goes a bit crazy.
1: Is that a recent development?
0: It's not too recent. I think it was definitely there when I started dancing. And I was, well, that was 2007, I think. So it's not that recent. But it's not, you know, not recent either. Um, But then again, I mean, the counter-argument to all this is that people do this out of their own volition. And -hmm. some people really, really love it. And, you know, if a girl, say, gets a new dress every year and the dress is super expensive to begin with, I mean a cheap first-hand dancing dress could be €700, and then it would go up as far as about €2,000. People got these dresses every year for the World Championships and everything else. But the thing is that like, you have people who really cherish the experience of getting a new dress and spending that amount of money on the dress, and they don't spend it on other things and whatever else. Mm -hmm. So really, who are we to take away from that at one level? But then obviously, you know, the bigger issue is that it sets... A ridiculously high standard in terms of what other people can do and you know it's so it becomes very elitist at one level you know mm-hmm. the higher you go in competition the more difficult it is because it just gets more and more expensive basically
1: i think so particularly when you're talking something that is being done that like you have to start when you're a child and children famously grow get taller and taller each year mm-hmm. and <laughs> <so> <laughs> Shocker. Yeah, yeah that's that's the thing i would be alarmed with but um it's funny when you say that the wigs the styles of the wigs change every few years but the styles of the dress maybe less so
0: The styles of dress do change. I mean, the basic kind of, the basic style doesn't really change in that your upper body is completely covered and, you know, you have a skirt. That's effectively it. But you can get different kinds of skirts. I say in 2011, a cupcake skirt was Mm. the biggest kind of dancing style. That was a very rounded skirt. Whereas now it's, you know, kind of short skirts with pleats Mm. and whatever else. It does change. But, um, the wigs, yeah, the wigs do change surprisingly. Like, I mean, nowadays, as I say, it's very much the Dolly Parton look. Yeah. and you have all your hair like piled up on your head and then you have like a irish dancing hairband like yeah. pushed up back and it's all like coiffed and hairsprayed and everything else whereas back when i started mm-hmm. it was much more about the ringlets and the kind of shirley temple look so yeah. you know we model it all on old hollywood people
1: <laughs> this is what it sounds like it sounds like the and this is the thing that the the whole irish dancing seems to tie up to a, a a glory era right before Vatican II, mm. where it seems, yeah, like it's you don't go past Maureen or, hour or anything like that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, like, a lot of people do blame the Americans and the American mm. pageants and everything else for bringing this in. And while y- there's definitely a tie, obviously, mm. between the pair of them, it, like, people, you know, forget that Riverdance is definitely as much to blame because, I mean, they all wear mm. costumes. They have, I think, Gene Butler in the very first performance of Riverdance at Eurovision in 1994 she had ringlets whether they were natural or not i, I think don't no, know
1: i think her ringlets were natural and mm. that she actually remembered that she went for a cold shoulder like before cold shoulders were in. yeah <laughs> and it's interesting enough both michael fatley and Jean butler were born were out from the irish american community they were both born over there and uh, they have different degrees of ties to ireland but um riverdance obviously is something we can't get past because for young people who never remember what it was like before riverdance how um how little art confidence Ireland had in itself and if you think of say in the earlier 90s and in the 80s as well so much of Irish pop culture was trying to dilute or distract from its traditional Irishness pop stars with Irish names would change their names or they'd often whenever a new band would come along it's like oh there, this isn't all just fiddles and you know and, and fiddles and this and that and when Riverdance came along, and I think we were, we were speaking of this before the show, if that year the UK or France had been hosting the Eurovision, if they if France had decided to put a a Breton dance, a Bre- or sorry, a Breton dance, mm-hmm. or if the UK had decided to put a a Highland jig, mm-hmm. the subtext wouldn't have been there. People would have thought, oh, that's good, or it isn't good, or it's an or it isn't an But the subtext is saying we're taking something so Irish, something that has been so discarded, and we're making it cool, we're making it sexy, or making it fun. But also dignified, not ridiculing it, and and there's ne- there's never been an interval act like it, and there probably never will be. And the reaction to it and I was absolutely massive, completely overshadowed rock and roll kids, which was <laughs> the third win in the row that year. And it happened just at a moment when Ireland was completely seeing seeing itself differently. The, there was a ceasefire in the north. There was three Eurovision wins in a row. The economy is beginning to pick up. There was um, Irish bands in the charts all over the world. The Cranberries and, the, and U2. And then suddenly this happened and we weren't... And while there have been successful pop culture in the past 10 years since, since Live Aid, this is the first time that actually that traditionally Irish elements are being incorporated into it. And Riverdance famously is the English title and in the lyrics of the song, Riverdance isn't mentioned. What is mentioned is the Irish title, which is Ishgobaha. Ah, oh,
0: intriguing. Ishgobaha is also whiskey, fun fact.
1: Certainly is. <laughs> if they had translated it as it whiskey... <laughs> it wouldn't have been we're doing a dance called whiskey so i can see why they said yes the water of life is very much what it was all about yes i think matt flatley's dance represented the land and and um jean butler's character was the river woman
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. intriguing After, stuff yeah
1: there's a there's a, I happen to know an awful lot of river dance my every um whenever i'm preparing my daughter's dinner um those few minutes when i'm getting the food together and and parents of young children know that this is like when a, a small child is waiting for the dinner, they can get very upset very quickly. <laughs> and you, if you find something they like watching, you show it to them, and so I show her that eight, the eight minutes and fourteen second <laughs> video of Riverdance, and she watched it, and she's sitting in her high chair, and she's moving her little legs.
0: So you have precisely eight minutes and 14 seconds to cook dinner, otherwise it's end game over.
1: <laughs> eight minutes and 14 seconds to get it all together. And it works. Ladies
0: and gentlemen,
1: River, River Dance and <laughs> <laughs> Flatly and Jean Butler did bring a certain amount of American razzmatazz to Irish dancing, mm-hmm. uh, including mm-hmm. God forbid, arm movement. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. What is the deal with the arm movement? I've heard four or five different theories, most of which are clearly bollocks. <laughs> and one of which is that the, when Irish dance, when the Queen Elizabeth commanded um, some Irish women to do Irish dancing for her when she's arriving on the shore, they refused to salute her. And that's I have why never
0: the, heard that. I have to say,
1: you never heard it because it's bollocks. <laughs> I, was
0: like, <laughs> I wasn't raised with such stupidness.
1: <laughs> no, I'd I, I heard that theory several times, but then I thought, well, does anyone know this? And why, why would they continue to keep their arms down? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Seems like there's a lot of effort to go to. Yes. I honestly, like, I don't know. I wish I did know. But I do know that with Shandles dancing, it's a lot looser and it's a lot more free-flowing. And some people really prefer that. Mm-hmm. Personally, I don't, because I've been so used to Irish dancing. I think it's such an art form and a craft to be able to keep your hands still while your lives are flying all over yeah. the place um and sean knows i'm going to get hate for saying this but i mean it does require less skill in my opinion you know it does it really really does because you can (laughs) just i don't know like it is fantastic in that it's so free-flowing it's so open and accessible to you know whatever kind of ability you have or whatever else and whatever you want to do but with irish dancing it is so unique in that it's so difficult to keep your arm still and everything else and it's so kind of it brings together so many different forms of dancing. You know, Irish step dancing, that is. It brings together yeah. so many different forms of dancing, like tap dancing and ballet. And they said that tap dancing really came from Irish dancing and not the other way around. Hmm. Um, and then, obviously, ballet comes into Irish dancing a lot. There are certain ballet moves that have been adopted into Irish dancing, very much so. So I think, really, like, Shanna's dancing is fantastic, you know, but it's definitely a little bit less impressive, possibly.
1: Perhaps. Do you think? <laughs> would you say that the restrictions in set dancing... That, like iambic pentameter create a, a field for creativity
0: that's a good question i've never thought of it that deeply before
1: it's like sometimes like in a complete blank phrase it's the same way a lot of people would say that free verse can never re- reach the heights of like um of a sonnet or an alexandrine or mm. those other poems that have very strict meters
0: yeah like necessity breathe invention kind of exactly yeah no that's definitely a good point i think it definitely does because like say with a hard shoe dance or a treble dance, that's the one with, like, that makes all the noise and everything else. Like It's like top dancing. If you have a jig that you need to dance to, like it's a treble jig or something, and you have a certain time signature, and even better if it's a set dance, so say you can have various different set dances, like The Vanishing Lake, say, for instance, yeah. is um a set dance that you do in competition at a certain level. If you need to form a dance to that and you only have a certain kind of music and a certain... Um, time signature it does require like really extremely good levels of rhythm and really creative use of rhythm mm-hmm. to be able to kind of form a dance that looks good and like suits the music and kind of you know embodies the music as well yeah whereas with John knows it's anything goes kind of i mean i'm going to get hate i know somebody is going to have seen <laughs> something at like a rock and sound and be like okay a different skill it really like if you've never done mm-hmm. irish step dancing like you don't know
1: an acquaintance of mine was giving out about jazz music, and say, how do you know <laughs> if you're playing it wrong? <laughs> it's
0: so true, though. Like you much. <laughs> like I'm. Like we. No, we should start talking about fan notes now because I could go on a whole rant about it. But okay.
1: Well, but we we might re- return to that rant because <laughs> it's. um, I'm always interested. What what I always I, what find what I always find interesting is when there's um. When there's kind of creative groups, they tend to groups of people involved in creative projects. You go off and find you do do you tend to coalesce in the same kinds of groups. You get the purists, you get the kind of anything-goes people, you get the snobs, you get the kind of the um, the um, like extremists, and then you get the people who just want to know enough, and then they've got the kind of the um, the marketing noose or the other kind of showma- general showmanship, which they can take anywhere. But I suppose what really interests me, about, and we were talking about this earlier, the Irish dancing, there's going to be a lot of our listeners will have done Irish dancing to some level. Mm-hmm. In that sense, there is a kind of a community to it and where there's a community, there's different attitudes to it. Some people will probably have similar feelings to Irish dancing that other people have to Irish, the Irish language. Mm,
0: that is very true. And I suppose like Irish dancing is kind of that thing that you do after school because you have to, or like this weird teacher comes in when you're in junior infants and teaches you your one, two, threes and you don't mm. do anything ever again. And probably everybody in the country knows the walls of Limerick or the siege of Venice and they see Irish dancing as that and that's there's nothing more to it.
1: Mm-hmm. This was the other... Thing one of the other theories that why people keep their hands perfectly still next to their waist was that the the church and this is the, th- the great theory in our is when you can't explain something you either blame the English or you blame the church. <laughs> in this case, blaming the English was the Elizabeth the first theory. The other theory is that the, the clergy did not want people holding hands when they were dancing. The, they did not want youths holding hands. But you hold hands during the Walls of Limerick, don't you? Yeah, definitely.
0: And yeah. all Katie dancing, all set dancing and still a few hands. And in the team dancing too in competition you hold hands. So no not absolutely ball as well. <laughs> Listeners <laughs>
1: Good stuff. We will come to a theory. But then as you said there, so the Irish dancing, is there a kind of black swan situation happened much? Is there massive competitiveness and and, and pushy parents
0: definitely to an extent i wouldn't say it's extremes black swan i don't know maybe it is for all <laughs> i know there has been i don't know but like there is definitely an element of pushiness and rivalry between schools and bias and adjudicators and everything else and it can all get a bit much sometimes you know people treat their fashion now a fashion is an irish dancing competition actually they treat it very very seriously and um, there is definitely an element of pushiness. And, you know, you do definitely see parents who want their child, their child to win more than the child wants to win themselves and mm-hmm. everything else. Um, and obviously the rivalry between schools can be ridiculous sometimes. And, um, yeah, no, and it's interesting because there are several different kind of regulatory bodies within Irish dancing. So the very first one was on Shoon, which is the commission. Okay. But then a group broke away from... Commission in the 1970s, and they call themselves on COGOL, which means the Congress, because there's a big rift between the pair of them. And now there are something like five. I think it's like Commission, Congress, Common Rink and Ashunta, Common Rink the Vasa, WIDA, the World Irish Association. Like there's several different regulatory bodies, but Commission is the one that is the most widespread among diaspora, I suppose, in the United States and in Australia and worldwide. Um, so there's always tension. You know, there's always definitely an underlying tension. With Irish dancing and in the community itself, definitely.
1: Gosh, yeah, it's bad enough with uh, us with rugby league and rugby union to have to (laughs) have to worry about too. But that's uh, that's that shows a real leadership issue if it's fragmented that much.
0: Oh god, yeah, and I mean, even with say, I danced for on Kogal the Congress, Mm. and um, there's even kind of shouldn't really be saying this, but there's you know talk at like a higher level of people. Not wanting people to pass the teaching exams because it's so oversaturated that the older dancing schools want all the new blood, basically, they want all the new people coming in them, coming into them and not going to new dancing schools and taking away their business. So, um, yeah, oh. no, it's constantly, it, like, and the older dancing schools definitely prevail in competitions and they always seem to do that little bit better. Mm. But, um, that's not to say though that, like, I mean, you know, it's not like ballet, I wouldn't say, for instance, in that there's no kind of, you know, one great school that you can go to and you will win everything and become yeah. a professional dancer. You can easily be a fantastic dancer and be in a tiny school that has no kind of, you know, big name to it or anything hmm. and become a world champion. There's nothing stopping you from doing that really, you okay. know. Um, but there is definitely bias in the sense that, say, I've seen adjudicators Mark people down when they see them wearing a certain dress from a certain school. But then, if they're wearing their solo dress, which is the big glitzy thing that you see, Ooh. they will give them first place because they don't know they're from a particular school. So it's very obvious that they're very, very biased. And it's not the way it should be at all, but it is that way, unfortunately.
1: You know, there's a mathematics or statistics student listening to the show right now who's thinking of a thesis topic. <laughs> And I'd say if you actually compare the scores of Irish dancers in different dresses like that, that might be an interesting statistical. That would be intriguing. Yeah.
0: There was actually somebody in the Young Scientist exhibition, which is a thing that happens in Ireland every year, and they um did a study on what color dancing dress will get you the most amount of awards. Ooh. And apparently red is the best colour because it gains the most attention from a judge. Really. So yeah, fun fact for you there. And I don't any parents out there wanting their child to <laughs> win that first
1: place. <laughs> Yeah, that's um that's an alarming thought when it comes <laughs> to those many things. So I mean you obviously you started off when you were 11, you, you did your hang toe tree mm-hmm. and then you did some of your other steps. What are the other steps that people will know and then when and then gradually get as as they get harder, it starts with something easy, then what are the next kind of steps you'd learn?
0: The next kind of steps you learn after you're your hang though threes with your one, two, threes are things like skips and leaps and jump backs and then it goes further and further until you get to like heavy shoes and then you would learn things like trebles or they're also called rallies sometimes um and clicks clicks are the absolute worst when you have to like click your heels in the air i was always terrible at them um but it goes on and on and on and then you have some like really weird specific steps like double clicks or stamps or everything else you know
1: or triple clicks
0: Triple click, it's possible. I've seen somebody do five clicks at one time. No. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's on YouTube. I think it is on YouTube. I'll try and link it on my own Twitter at some stage. But yeah, no, I've seen five clicks. It's very impressive. But um, even then, yeah, like, I mean, it's interesting how sometimes you see movements from other types of dancing coming into hard shoes when they would be done in soft shoes in different types of dancing. So say Mm -hmm. you see some kind of like, say, ballet moves in hard (laughs) shoes, which is absurd because I'm not sure if anybody like has ever seen ballet, I'm sure somebody listening has, yeah. but like the kind of movements that you do just with your feet, like a little butterfly jump, like a kind of a scissor thing, you'd yeah. see that in hard shoes, and it is so hard to do in hard shoes because they're really, really heavy and everything else, and some of it makes no sense. But um, yeah, the movements do definitely get more difficult as you go on, but you don't really notice it because you're practicing, or at least you should be practicing the whole time, um, and it's much more about perfecting movements than it is about doing a hard movement, doing it badly, yeah. you know? Which I guess could be said for everything, in fairness. It's better to choose something simple and do it well than to do a really hard thing, properly.
1: At the other end of the scale, at the really hard end of the scale, when people are, like you are getting really, really good at it, and your pals are really good at it, and you're hanging out with other Irish dancers, and you're entering, considering competitions, and you're seeing people like this five-click gal. A well, guy <laughs> or a gal?
0: Either, actually. I would say more prevalently a guy because you it, have
1: at the five click stage yeah <laughs> but the so then when you're at this getting this very high level when you're actually maybe good enough to teach so what? what is like the uh what is the tango de la morte of irish dancing what was <laughs> the thing that's seen as the hardest move or procedure or dance to do or that's what's what's that thing that maybe is seen as like the tokyo drift the really really hard <laughs> thing to do
0: there are several different things. I would say the double or the triple click or the five click is very, very difficult. Or you can do a switch leap, which is when you leap in the air and then you do a click at the same time. It mm-hmm. sounds ridiculous, but it does happen. Um, and there are multiple like different schools invent their own moves too. So you see people doing moonwalks and everything <gasps> on stage, and it's yeah. So the moonwalk, I, yeah, the moonwalk. Maybe the moonwalk is the most difficult because <laughs> <laughs> I mean it is the most difficult out of all the dances. Mm. But yeah. Well,
1: it's, I'm just trying to think of Moonwalking Irish. She on a galley.
0: Yeah. That could work, actually. Yeah. She on a galley, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hey, I'm Alan McGuire. And I'm Anton. We are two of the three co-hosts of a podcast called Juvenalia. Our third co-host, Sarah Marie Griffin, is not
0: here. Juvenalia is a podcast where we talk to an interesting person about a piece of pop culture that they were obsessed with when they were a child. So if you want to hear Sarah from Pegan and Sarah talking about Madonna's True to the Tour, Or hear about Maria Doyle Kennedy and why her favorite film is The Wizard of Oz. Or hear Carolina Donahue talking about Frasier. then subscribe to us on any podcast app you might be listening to right now. Okay, See that's the ad. Then. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Bye.
1: Because I was just watching I, Tonya recently. and oh, I love I, a, Tanya. It's brilliant. It's absolutely like an outstanding. Go uh, see it if you haven't. Margot Robbie is phenomenal. And mm-hmm. the fact that she's a producer now and she's deliberately finding scripts of these strong female characters like these stories. And particularly the kind of pressure she's under. And the, and the fact so much of it is they kept so close to the facts as well. It's extraordinary.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: Did you did you relate to any of that?
0: I actually did, yeah, because there's <laughs> even there's even a scene in it where they have Tanya's actual mother, I think, talking about the um the whole standard of presentation and competitions and mm-hmm. her mother absolutely hated the dresses they had to wear in the ice skating. Yeah. And her exact words, I think, were something like if everybody just wore a plain black dress, it would all be so much better. It wouldn't be any of this ridiculous, you know, competitiveness. Mm -hmm. Because as as far as I can remember, she made their own dresses, I think. You know, they came from a very poor background and everything. And she would sew until all hours of the morning trying to make costumes and everything else. So that's very, very, very similar to Irish dancing. There's definitely that movement of people who would much prefer just a very basic standard of almost like basic hygiene. You know, Mm -hmm. just kind of as long as your socks and your dress are clean, your hair is scraped back and it's neat that should be the main thing and the dancing mm. is what should be judged but there's obviously the whole presentation thing it's really deeply ingrained now so and this is
1: something particularly that seems to mostly affect female driven uh, events like that like like ice skating you don't like if lads are lining up to to do their trials for Liverpool or Man United <laughs> they don't have to worry about what kind of shorts to wear
0: this is exactly it. I mean, like, to be fair with Irish dancing, the guys do have to wear their jazzy waistcoats and there. You know, some of them do wear makeup, I think, on stage, but it is nothing to the extent of what girls have to go through.
1: Do the lads you're dancing with have to wear wigs?
0: They do not. They do not, unless they choose to. I mean, do they, sp- <laughs>
1: do they get the spray tan?
0: Like some of them do, some mm. of them do. I mean, I don't know anybody from my dance school personally who ever did that, but uh, some of them do if they really want to, and some of them, you know, go overboard and everything else, and they put, you know, nine million sequins on their waistcoat and their trousers and God knows what.
1: If a boy wants to wear a dress and a wig, would he be laughed? That?
0: That's a good question. That is a good question. It's very relevant these days too. I'm mm. honestly, I think if he did, it would be taken as a joke to begin with. But then, you know, it's really hard to know. I, I like, I don't think so. Mm. Really, I think you'd be laughed out of us to begin with.
1: Well, if there is a little boy listening to this show who does want to wear a dress and a wig and do the Irish dancing, just know that we are absolutely on your side. And we oh, of you. course.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm. It's been changed now, but up until very recently, Cloda this might interest some of our more business-minded listeners. Oh, who? Oh. The VAT rate on Irish dancing lessons was 23%. And the VAT rate on, on lap dance performances was <laughs> 9%. And ballet was 0%.
0: That is absurd, though. I think the ballet one, in comparison to the Irish dancing, is Mm. absolutely absurd. And it just goes to show, like, how ballet is seen as a really kind of aristocratic, privileged, elitist thing to do, whereas Irish dancing is almost like a peasant thing to do, Mm -hmm. you know? Which, historically speaking, is kind of how it was, because, I mean, ballet was owned by aristocrats and uh, dignitaries and everything else, and it was funded Mm. by, you know, very wealthy people. Whereas with Irish dancing, the whole story goes that there were like dance masters that would go around little villages here and there and teach some dancing steps and, you know, mm. the Cayley dance and stuff. But it was never seen as a very elite thing to do in Ireland. It's still not, I wouldn't say. You know, it's still very much that thing mm-hmm. that you do after school, if you have to.
1: I think, this is the thing, obviously people do do ballet after school. And, mm. and this is for the actual lessons themselves. And it has changed now that now dance lessons are all charged at 23% for tax, for tax purposes. Assuming the school is on the threshold, but mm-hmm. in terms of as a part of of our Irish heritage, the I think is that ballet is seen. You have ballet, you have composers who are associated with ballet. You have um, the Bolshoi mm-hmm. in Moscow, and you have the uh, you know the various the New York ballet and mm-hmm. the and the London ballet. Whereas we, isn't it odd that we don't have a global centre of Irish dancing somewhere in Ireland?
0: It is of the
1: Bolshoi of Irish dancing.
0: It is very very strange, and I mean. I suppose at one level it makes some kind of sense at a really practical level, because when you think of, say, Russia and the size of Russia, yeah. if a young girl or a young boy wants to become a ballerina or a principal dancer in a company, they need to do really, really intense training, but they might have to travel six hours to do that training. So they go and live in a boarding school and yeah. they're taught there and it creates this really kind of prestigious element to it. Whereas with Irish dancing, you can find an Irish dancing school anywhere in Ireland and it's just... It, never had that same level of intensity mm. that ballet had. And I suppose, too, with um, with ballet, it's seen as a very prestigious thing to do, even in comparison to Irish dancing, I would mm. say. You know, people, as you say, they would associate composers, whatever else, with ballet much more so than Irish dancing. Um, but it is definitely strange, and it's strange that there's no kind of... There's no... The pinnacle of an Irish dancing career is not the same as the pinnacle of a ballet career. So the yeah. ballet career your main goal will probably, I imagine, be to be a principal dancer
1: yeah. in a
0: company. Whereas with Irish dancing, it might be to have your own dancing school or it might be to become an adjudicator or, you know, dance in a show. But really, dancing in a show is not often the main aim of somebody who goes that, into Irish dancing. You that's know I mean? extraordinary.
1: And I was just thinking, like, what is the Irish Swan Lake or the Irish Nutcracker? And then I got to thinking, as well as the, those other great ballet performances that I thought, like... um we have such a phenomenal tradition of drama mm-hmm. in Ireland of, of some outstanding playwrights. And we have a great tradition of dancing. And obviously there's, we have musical traditions too, but we have no tradition of musical theatre or actual musical shows of that nature. And even when something like Riverdance came along, there was no real precedent for an Irish dancing show that would be kind of uh, evening length, kind of show length, feature length. The, and they probably did look at ballet models to say, well, let's through this loose storyline and musical theatre shows that they they kind of had to come up with some way but there was no kind of traditional way of saying this is how an entire evening of spectacle goes and possibly one of the reasons for this is, was you, when you go into to see Irish dancing you want to participate in it mm. not to watch it.
0: That's a very good point. That's definitely a very good point. And as well, again, historically speaking in ballet the a lot of the ballet kind of teams were funded and they were all you know, designed to be based on literature and stuff. So yeah. they deliberately made ballets based on Don Quixote or Swan Lake or, you know, Giselle or there's mm. loads of different ones. But Irish dancing, that just doesn't exist at all. We have river dance and we have the Michael Flatley shows like Feet of Flames and whatever else. Lord and of the Dance. Lord of the Dance, yes. And mm. there's several others. Fusion Fighters, I think is another one. I'm not too mm. sure. There's several others anyway. He had
1: a show called Celtic Tiger and mm. there was a... um. I remember there was a review of it because this was it was in Broadway and and I, I remember this at the time because it, it started off he had some um, I think four or five girls walk out in, in air Lingus outfits and then they they did striptease and they were wearing America, um, stars and stripes bikinis.
0: Good lord, Michael! What <laughs> and is then, he on?
1: This is the thing, and obviously his um, his shows. When you compare the High River dance continued after he left, mm. and Gene Butler is very. Maybe esoteric is too strong a word, but very kind of scholarly approach to dance afterwards. Yeah. And her, I think she made dance shows for people who were really, really interested in dance and knew the difference between steps and realized if a dancer did something in a particular way, that it was different from what they expected, and that that the audience were expected to have a literacy of dance to get those things. Whereas his shows, like very like. They, he seemed to deliberately invoke Michael Jackson with some of his uh, with some mm-hmm. of his moves and the dancers the female dancers were obviously told to basically look at him in a very flirtatious or lascivious mm. way
0: which <laughs> was really like yeah no I completely agree that like Gene Butler kind of approached dancing as a craft and portrayed it that way mm-hmm. whereas Michael Flatley approached it as a performance piece and you know while the craft comes into play in their performance piece uh, yeah, they have to get the views like you know mm-hmm. what I mean <laughs> it's the same thing I suppose yeah I mean, we all have ruined opinions on like Michael Flatley's shows and everything, but it's definitely it lacks the same kind of class that you would see with certain other forms of dancing, maybe. And mm-hmm. the Gene Butler approach, you know, I mean, the Errol Angus don't really compare to Swan Lake. I wouldn't <laughs> say.
1: I suppose he he was basically telling a story of kind of of Ireland from um from emigration to America, and it was it's largely largely a story about Irish America more than. Itself and it's vision when we hear him speak he's very obsessed with this whole you know we got up at zero o'clock in the morning and we did this and we, mm. we, 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 we we cut all this turf before school and we then, we then we walked in and we were always told that matters and he's obsessed with this he'd always tell a story how his least favorite word in english is pastime because he doesn't have enough time to do all the things That's he wants to do
0: tough. oh my god veracca <clears> would love us
1: <it>. possibly but <laughs> the early morning risers and to touch the uh to touch back to the um the tax issue one of the things one of the reasons like because it took michael fatley a while before for evidence to happen he'd been burnt in his career he and, had yes he had and that probably was one of the reasons he's so commercially minded and it's sometimes like i recently seen some kind of comments on on some other uh some other irish writers who i'm very fond of um people have been saying oh such and such is only it for the money or such and such is, you know whipping out books very quickly and thing is when you've um When you've been burnt, when you've been really badly ripped off, and most people in creative fields, they don't understand how lots of things, lots of part of the procedure work, and you have to trust people who know the business side much more than you. And when that doesn't go well for you, you you just make sure you never get ripped off again. Mm -hmm. And that's why sometimes people can seem very commercially minded when, frankly, they are. So many artists have been stiffed by the tax authorities in various countries, and there's a reason so many of them are tax exiles, possibly for that, but most famously Tina Turner obviously you know, who <laughs> when you lose all your money as she did because Ike Turner held everything when you make money again you absolutely do move to Zurich
0: oh yeah absolutely <clears throat> and I mean yeah exactly can you really blame them for being that way you know mm-hmm. like it's self-protection above anything
1: I think so and Michael Fatley does his action with one of the things he's doing is with his money is he's collecting these, a lot of these rare editions of Ulysses including the ones that were illustrated by Matisse Henri Matisse there's only like 34 of those in existence <laughs> And He owns most of them.
0: Oh my god, yeah, he should make a show based on Lillis or something.
1: That'd be a filthy show, that'd
0: that would be have. yeah, it'd have been literature based, it would compete with the ballet.
1: It probably could, so yeah. Um, obviously, Claude, when, you, uh, when you're doing all of this Irish dancing, you're trying to do all these elaborate steps, you must have at some point injured yourself. A lot of Irish dancers get fierce injuries oh yeah
0: i mean thankfully i never injured myself severely i had like very you know mild sprains or kind of weird things on my foot every now and again but yeah no some of the injuries that you can see are quite gruesome and i mean i've seen people not in person but i mean i've seen people like fall off stages before and leap off stages or vomit on stage sometimes oh. faint on stage like dry heaving because it's, it's a very pressurized environment to be fair um but yeah the injury side of it can be extreme and the thing with Irish dancing too is that like with soft shoes you're meant to wear them two sizes too small because the leather stretches over time Oh. but if you go to a chiropodist and you say yes I've been wearing shoes that are two sizes too small for me and they will look at you as if to say well then why the hell do you think that like how are you not going to be injured but it's not they don't get it like you have to be very careful with who you go to for treatment for these things because I mean ideally you should go to you know like a dance specialist or something mm-hmm. Who understands, you know, how Irish dancing or whatever form of dancing it is works for your injuries? Um, but yeah, it's a very, it's a very specific kind of injury that you can get with Irish dancing. I would say because it is sort a specific kind of dancing. Mm-hmm. You know,
1: I'd say so. And I mean, uh, I presume these things never happen at the right time.
0: Yeah, no, like <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Definitely, I remember, like, the one time that I did kind of get injured was at a competition. And oh. it was, yeah, no, like, it wasn't good. But then thankfully, like, very serendipitously, that competition ended up being cancelled for the rest of the day because of the snow. Because it was 2010, it was a big freeze. <sighs> so I was very lucky. And mm. I was able to, you know, go and see a therapist and everything else. And she looked at me like I had two heads and everything. But it was fine in the end. But yeah, no, you definitely hear people having to pull out because of injury. Um, I can think of one very significant Irish name named Brogan McKay. Um, she was in that film Jig from oh. 2010. She was she's a world champion, but she had to pull out because of injury, and she can never dance again. So, you do. I mean, and it can be something very seemingly straightforward, like a broken foot, but it can be broken in a very bad way, or something, mm. you know, and it can really cause damage. So you have to be very, very careful. You do have to be very careful. Buy decent shoes, and don't buy the crappy shoes that are cheap, because mm. you can get very cheap shoes and they're crap. So,
1: well, you know, they say that you should spend your money In shoes and a mattress because <laughs> you're gonna when you're not in one, you're in the other.
0: i've never ever heard that before but i'm definitely like writing that down to my (laughs) wall
1: (laughs) tell me about the boy girl ratio in your dancing
0: well in my school (laughs) my school it was very bad it was like four boys to like every like 15 girls like it was just Hmm. that's very specific it wasn't like that but i mean it was like there's a very low number of boys in comparison to girls yeah um and i mean like obviously any kind of dancing is associated with the female end of things um and i suppose with irish dancing you know, it is seen as somewhat a girly thing to do at times, I suppose. But when the boys do it, they do fantastically, you know. Yeah. And um, it's a very, like, it's a very masculine thing to do. Like, I mean, it requires so much strength and determination and energy and, like, physical everything. You know, I've definitely seen dancers who are as strong as ga players or football players everything mm-hmm. else, you know. And
1: they won't. I think, particularly when if if uh, I know a lot of like young boys will get slagged by their mates if they're off to Irish dancing, and, and they'll interpret it as being you know I'm not getting picked for a football team or things like that. But you, know, you may not get picked for the county, but you will be at a wedding sometime, and and, <laughs> and a piece of music will come on, and you'll impress a lot of people if you know how to dance. And it's something that. And obviously when we, went, when we went clubbing there was no actual dance steps or things like that people just moved around and some people had coordination some people didn't but the idea that if something has steps and moves and and you can and you learn to carry yourself with a certain way and you can often tell a dancer just from the way they walk into the room like when you walk around you can tell straight away you're a dancer just from your posture oh, and like it's um i would have i would have loved when i was an, an awkward teenager at discos to know that there were steps <laughs> to follow like if you learned them you'd be all right
0: I honestly though I mean you wouldn't have wanted to pull out the walls of then break out the club. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> you think, wouldn't? <laughs> I Although, would not recommend. I mean maybe. maybe. I don't know. Who Turns knows? In the club.
1: Well, yeah, it's uh, obviously that's uh, that's that's a <laughs> <different> thing. <laughs> but it's uh, I think it's definitely when you at weddings and things now when you do see the fellows who actually did do Irish dancing and. It does impress people. In fact, or any kind of dancing, really. It's uh, it's something I think, well, young men and boys and young men should be told to do some a dance because they they certainly won't regret it.
0: Absolutely, and yeah. they're more
1: likely to use it than work out the surface area of a of a sphere or, <laughs> or, or what's a, what a cone surface area of a cone. Oh That's
0: Jesus, no! I haven't heard that in four years. <laughs> Never want to hear it again.
1: No one does. <laughs> so, and before we finish up, dowsa orenka.
0: Or oh. The funny one, they use Rinka a lot in competition and stuff. So rinka fernia is a team dance or, mm-hmm. you know, KB dance or whatever else. But then dowsa, I suppose, you know, I would say dancing as a noun rinka. but then, you know, mm-hmm. for sorry, yeah. But then dowsa would be more of an action, I would think, like egg dowsa. But either, either work, you know, they're both lovely.
1: When I was in, in the galduct in Galway, it was, um, it was dowsa. And when I went to Kerry, it was rinka
0: intriguing yeah that's
1: just uh, maybe just the, the the actual schools I was at
0: yeah I wonder if Rinka is older than saw I have a feeling I don't know maybe it is maybe it I think
1: Rinka it. is one of those things like like a It's you can imagine mm. the person's face and they're doing it Rinka, <laughs> Rinka using <laughs> dancing away and whenever I think of like Shennam I always imagine someone strumming a guitar with like an old look in their <laughs> face but yeah mm. anywho so on that note I think we've all been illuminated we'll look forward very much to seeing Blackbird
0: oh yeah absolutely and
1: yes we'll <laughs> we have to do another episode just on that
0: but I think we will.
1: <laughs> in the meantime, it's a salon from me.
0: And a salon from me.
1: We'll catch you next time.
0: Hi, it's Cloder from today's show. Thank you very, very much for listening. You can find the Mother Folklore podcast every Friday from the Headstuff Network. You can rate us on iTunes, that would be much appreciated. Thank you very much to Kirsten for the artwork for today's show and thank you very much to Brian for producing. If you're interested in looking for another podcast, you should give a listen to Up to 90. It is another Headstuff show about the 1990s, definitely worth a listen. If you would like to contact the show, you can contact us at motherfolklore@headstuff.org. at headstuff.org.
1: This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network. That's fantastic.